Good evening, and welcome back to Usopp Podcasts. Yes, we made it. Five years. Society somehow survived. And thankfully, we have some exec members with us. Now, this is our first one, isn't it, all together? Isn't it, everyone? Yes, oh, definitely. Yes. We've, we've never all recorded a podcast before. Very good. It's nice to have a, a good start. Well, let's actually introduce ourselves because, you know, chop and change... People leave, people come back. It's a it's a new era, a new age, some might say. How to describe the age, I'll leave that to you. Anyway, I'm Louis, Lord President, he, him. Uh, it's great to be back and uh, with some, I wouldn't say new, but friendly faces. Go on, go on guys, <laughs> introduce yourself. I am Ollie, who's sort of coordinator, he, him. Hi. I'm Bertie, who's sock Cardinal. Cardinal, they, them. I'm Harry Husok, Chancellor, he, him. Nice to know we all know our roles. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> they all start with the same letter, it's confusing. Yeah, <laughs> I always want to call myself Chancellor. Mm. It always gets mm. muddled up in my head. Well, you, you could have run for that, Bertie, you could have run for that. I don't know numbers, I'm gay. Anyway, shall we yes. talk about the episodes? Yes, let's just talk about So what did we watch? Well, entering university is like entering uh alien world and we felt to reflect that and to welcome people we decided to watch some i think that's why that's why we did didn't we uh, it wasn't just that a... was that was my thinking that was that was the thinking very, very... yeah <laughs> nice one so what do we watch we watched um plan and the ood and then we watched rings of akaten and then the pilot so let's get on with it let's get on with the pod as they say no one's ever said that. No one's ever said that. Um, I've heard people say that on podcasts. No! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ollie! No, the betrayal! So, Plan of the Ood. The Doctor and Donna. Oh, we love the 10th Doctor and Donna. Uh, they land on the Ood Sphere, home of Ood Operations, a company which trades in alien slaves. But all is not as it seems, because some of the Ood are turning against their owners due to a disease known as Red Eye. Can the Doctor and Donna find the cause of the disease, and will the truth be exposed behind Ood operations. So I love that you've just read the description that I put in my email. Well, I'm really bad at describing myself, so that's know, totally fine. Co- copy and paste. <laughs> what you should do is start citing like um, Buck 2023. <laughs> Buck 2023. <laughs> if not, it's plagiarism. True. Good faith plagiarism. <laughs> um, what it's do we fun. think of this story? Um, what do we think? I of love it? it. Yeah, it's I, great. Ah, uh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of my it's for, it's for me it's an above average episode for that series and that's an incredible series so I like it would be one of the best episodes in some series. I love that they're fundamentally useless during it. Mm. They don't do much. They run yeah. around, um, which is good because when you tackle issues like this, you you run the risk of turning it into a white savior narrative. Mm. Um. Which I don't know whether the writers did on purpose or not, but the fact that the Doctor and Donna, you could you could take them out and not much would change, I think is a is a good thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And I do find it quite funny because at the end, Ud Sigmar is telling them, you know, how wonderful they were and they've saved them and it's amazing. And so it does feel like the writers haven't realised that they've done this. But whether it was intentional or not, I'm glad that they made the Doctor and Donna not be actually instrumental in saving the Ood. I feel if the Doc and Donna weren't there, then probably more Ood would have died, but the outcome would still have been the same. So yeah. maybe docking it from a utilitarian perspective, I'm not sure. Mm. I they think did what... good, but they weren't necessary for what for 
what needed to happen. Yeah, I think what was good is that it's actually referenced in the episode that during the Satan Pit story, the Doctor just overlooks the Ood. And so it's a really great way of actually exploring what the Ood are and allowing the Doctor to see, okay, this is actually what you missed. And it's a, a, a is, is it a perfect explanation on discussion of slavery? I mean, Would I don't you think say? it's possible to do anything like that perfectly. Mm, yeah. Very, very good. The, yeah, the, the fact true. that Donna brings it up is a good reminder of how the Doctor needs someone there to see these things for him because he's always just running around doing things. Yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also, I like that it was brought up that we do have slaves in real life on Earth today because... I mean, it's it's sort of all politics in in in, our, in my Doctor Who, but it's not done overly overtly or explicitly. It's gone. This is a terrible thing. Imagine this terrible civilization doing this, and then reminding us that actually we do have that these days. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's quite a story, and in particular, the villain, what's his name, Halpin, played by mm-hmm. uh, Tim McInerney, he's quite interesting because he's actually got those layers to him because he's very, he seems to be very loyal to Ood Sigma and maybe that's because of the uh, strange potion that uh, he, he's been feeding him but you can see that he's basically just a ruthless middle manager that's how, he was, mm. how he's been described as and seeing of course his villainous motivations compared with I think Ollie you, you actually pointed out the, the sort of the head guard guard yeah, yeah because they're completely different in terms of villains because Halpin is He's a villain because he doesn't care about the youth. He doesn't. He doesn't really care about how anyone feels. He's just doing what's best for him, and that happens to be incredibly harmful to the youth. Uh, whereas the guard is actively taking pleasure in killing Ood and killing people who like work against him. And go, you know, I've always wanted to do this, like kill, murder someone with a massive claw thing. The it, claw. I I I, I sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I enjoy the duality of the very different two two very different types of villain there. It's also really good that there is a duality because with racism or any type of um discriminatory practice, you do have people who are actively out there physically doing it with violence, but then you also have the institutionalized mm. things that recreate mm. a lot of um oppression. So for the fact that the episode is able to show you both and show how both are harmful, um, relatively, I don't think tastefully is the word for it, but to show both of them in one episode as well and make them feel very real Mm. was also a very good writing moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's um. I, w- I would agree with what you said, Holly, as well, that it is probably one of the best of the fourth season, just because as a standalone, I mean, yes, I know it mentions the bees disappearing, but as a standalone story, I think it's probably one of the best. Yeah. Do yeah. you think the the way that Halpern is um, converted to a nude, is, is that done well? It's one of the more horrifying parts of Who. I I think I, I do think some people think it goes too far or it's too disgusting. I I think it works really well. There are points at which the effects aren't hundred percent there, but that's Doctor Who. And that's Doctor Who back in what 2008. Like that's I don't I don't care about that. It is very disgusting, but I think it works. Put me off spaghetti. 
had no. to change my dinner that night. I was like, oh, no, no holidays. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I appreciate what it what they tried to do, and I think it was very subtly done, because it makes you think, was Ood Sigma just playing the long game? Mm. Just, oh, just give him a bit of, give a bit, a bit of hair potion, it'll all be, uh, it'll be, it'll be all right. And then... It does seem like a a bit of a, dare I say, overused trope in Doctor Who, where some sort of alien life form transforms people into that life form. That's the whole stick of the Cybermen. The Daleks have done it. Uh, the Weeping Angels did it in the next series. Like, or tried to do it, sort of, to uh, anyway. Um, it's a thing that happens loads. And I, I, I do remember watching that episode and thinking, that is quite a horrifying and very good scene. But at the same time, turning a person into one of those aliens is something that has been slightly been done to death, in my opinion. Sorry, I'm getting some sort of notifications. Close your browser. Oh, I'll turn that off. There we go. What fun! Yeah, it's a it's a great <laughs> it's a, it's a great story all round, and uh, mm. I think it's definitely as well worth a rewatch if you uh, haven't seen it. Uh, mm. I think I really like the Doctor and Donna like sort of relationship in it as well. I think it really shows how they are, and I think sometimes Donna can get painted with a brush, not on purpose, about being a very loud, boisterous person. But in this episode, mm. you do see. A, a large amount of empathy in her, not keeping the doctor in check, but sort of that vibe. Particularly the part where she actually says, I want to go home. That's yeah. uh, has any companion ever said that to the doctor? I don't think so. Yeah, it's quite Tegan mm. might have, but that was pretty much her entire <laughs> character was that she wanted to get to Heathrow and mm. the doctor just couldn't get her there. Yeah, I suppose mm. also um Ian and Barbara. <laughs> oh yeah. We're trying to get back to London, 1965. Took them a while. Took yeah. them a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, I, one of my favourite things about the episode is the Ood themselves are such an interesting alien species. And I think almost no alien species in Doctor Who is as interesting as the Ood, because for one thing, I briefly, I touched on this in the End of Time podcast late last year, but the the um, the fact that they're their culture when they're not slaves when they're actually their own species is so entirely different to any real earth culture and they real feel they 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 really feel like proper aliens and i i i love that are they that probably um the most iconic non-villain alien of uh, who would you say because i mean no one really remembers alpha centauri the ood are probably the uh the best i'd say yeah I, I yeah, probably probably agree with that. Yeah, yeah. You could argue uh, the Zygons are very good. Um, I mean, they're always villains in the episodes they're in, but like the Zygons as a whole species are not villains. They just, yeah. I don't know. I I also obviously the whole telepathy thing is done really really well. One of my favorite scenes in the episode, and probably one of the, my favorite scenes in Doctor Who as a whole, is the moment where. Uh, the Doctor allows Donna to hear the Ood song and she sort of breaks down in tears because of it. And that, that to me, the, this, because the Ood are so alien and they don't show emotions in the way that we do and we can't, we can't see that. And so seeing it through the audience surrogate character is such a clever way of, I think, 
really seeing the emotion of creatures that we would not otherwise be able to see. And I, I find that scene incredibly powerful, not least because of Catherine Tate's ridiculously good acting. Hmm. It reminds me a little bit randomly of a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, where it's it's I th- it, it it's Drax and Mantis having a conversation. For those who haven't seen it, Drax is very sort of emotionless. He's largely a comic relief character, and he's and Mantis has the ability to detect emotions. And Drax is in one this one scene talking about having lost um, his wife and daughter, and he's just sort of talking about it like this is what what's happened he doesn't sound incredibly cut up about it and then mantis touches his shoulder to feel how he feels and similarly breaks down in tears and i think when you've got a character who can't or doesn't show emotion in the typical way having some sort of telepath or empath be able to literally feel that emotion in their mind and show it through them i think is very powerful Hmm. what a way to segue Let's have a, a moment for Drax. <laughs> moment for God of the Galaxy too. Moment that I've moment for a movie I've never seen. I don't think I've seen it either. Yeah, it's like it's an excellent movie. We're not Hang putting on, that on the spoiler schedule. Spoiler warning at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> oh, spoiler um... warning for the episodes we're watching and Guardians of the Galaxy too. <laughs> <laughs> and anything else that we feel like talking about at this point, really. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Anyway, the Rings of Akaten. I found this in, a, in an email. Very interesting. Uh, for Clara Oswald's first trip in the TARDIS, the Doctor takes her to Akaten, where the people worship a god called Grandfather and trade not in money, but in items of sentimental value. But something is awaking during the Festival of Offerings. Book 2023. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing description. It's truly great when the description of the story is better than itself, would you not? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that shade I'm detecting? It's definitely the the worst of the three episodes we watched in that session, is all I'm saying. It's one of my favourite episodes. Really? I really enjoy it. I'm a bit of a Clara enjoyer. Like mm. I yeah. really I really love Clara and I really hated that tone. Uh <laughs> thanks, Louis. Um <laughs> she is such a amazing character. She's not my favourite with Matt Smith. I do prefer 12 and Clara together. But I love that we have like a a, a, seg- a little segue into her. I mean, it's not our first episode with Clara, but we learn a little bit more about her. I think it's a very fun episode. And the urge to call the thing granddaddy, so high. <laughs> so high. And I think it would make the episode about a thousand times funnier if instead of saying it's the grandfather, they were like, oh, it's granddaddy. I just think it would cure everything. Gramps. Oh yeah, Gramps. Gramps is waking up. We need sleepy, to sleepy G memories. <laughs> also, the leaf. The leaf. What, the leaf. What oh, the, the leaf. About the leaf, because that's mm. divisive at points. The fact that uh, well, let's try to say what happens. So, the, they arrive on this planet, and it's probably full of aliens. Sort of maybe like a, if Star Wars Cantina was actually. A uh, a planet. Um, Bertie knows about this now because they watched A New Hope. Yeah, <laughs> continuity, eh? Um, yeah. So there's a, a planet full of aliens, and uh, they are singing a song. You know, go back to sleep, all that stuff. 
Towards Louis this, did a dance oh. there for anyone who can't see him, which is everybody. Louis did like a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of a jig. Well, I, I realise I keep nodding to show that I'm agreeing with something, which doesn't <laughs> work on a podcast. We're not we're not in our exit meeting now. Don't worry. Podcast a lot. We should just go nod, nod, mm, nod. Yeah, and in doing so, there's a. I'll be honest, I can't really remember what. Like this is really a forgettable story. There, I don't think it's no, there's never been a podcast presenter who's just sort of given up explaining the story. <laughs> First podcast, you're like, nah. Nah. Uh, well, do, do you remember in the thing? Do you remember in the, the actual watch along? I said some lines of, well, the, the important bit's over now. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. the important bits, let's talk, let's talk now. As someone sitting next to you, yes. Mm. Yes, I did hear. Yes, as someone sitting in front of you, I heard it. <laughs> so, uh, what, what I mean, happens in this story? Like, well, essentially, it's a, I find it a little bit confusing. I feel like the writer didn't one hundred percent think it through. But as, essentially, um, the, the grandfather who is a big so one thing that's not entirely clear. Is it a big planet with rings around it, or is it a sun and they're all planets around it? Because I assumed it was a sun, but I realized watched in this watch, I think it's supposed to be a planet. That I think it's grandfather is the planet of Akaten and they're on the rings around it. The way it was described by the people who made it was the idea it's supposed to be a sort of Lovecraftian god, Lovecraftian parasite mm. that is in the heart of this sun. And when he awakes, so it is he will supposed to be a sun. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think mm. so. I think so. You know, I'm not a. I didn't write the episode. It's supposed to be that he will then consume everything, all the rings, and then go on to consume all the stars and everything else. I quite like that aspect, and it's something that I wish was the the only part, not just go back to sleep, granddad, and, and all that. I'm doing I'm doing the dance again. I'm doing the dance again. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, yeah. I wish there was more motivation for viewing this guy as a villain because I realized. The only reason that we think this guy's a villain is because the civilizations have really like millennia old legends that say he is. What if he was just waking up and just going to have a jolly old time? Like we don't know he was going to do anything. <laughs> but his face bad. was evil. His face was evil when it came on. <laughs> yeah, he was making evil. an angry face. An angry so face must die. Yeah, I love that the sun had a face. Like, like uh, uh, Teletubbies. That's really fun. <laughs> Ah, yes. Spoilers for the Teletubbies. Yeah, spoilers for the Teletubbies. I mean, I think it's enough of a reason. Like, if I'm wandering around, right, and I truly believe that there is some old geezer in the sky about to eat me and then the universe, I'm well up for putting him back to sleep. Well up. I actually don't need any proof. Why why mess around and find out? Why not just keep him asleep? But what if he's just a nice little guy? Can he be? I mean, he's a nice big guy. He's... (laughs) Um, and how was he put back to sleep though because you got this lovely moment and you know we all like it where the doc gives a lovely speech like i was there at the start of the universe and at the end because i'm a time lord good acting yeah yeah Yeah, it's very good his head disappears though his head disappears literally he just just bows his head he's He's just doing like uh, there's no point. It doesn't work on a podcast. Yeah, it doesn't work on a podcast. He bows his head, like that. His head doesn't disappear. He just his head's just in front of his body. So he was acting, not doing magic, just acting. Or did you think it was like a bad green screen or something? I think it was always some sort of weird green screen effect that his his head just his his, his head goes too low, and it looks like he's been decapitated. 
he's just tired. He's, That's okay. He's, he's, yeah, he's just like had all of this stuff sucked out of his brain by also, the sun, and he's a little bit tired and bows his head. Let him be a sleepy guy. Well, was this just me, or because on my first watch of the episode, he's going take my memories because I've had a long life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I thought he would lose his memories in that scene because because if he didn't lose his memories, what was the what was Akaten actually taking? Vibes. Maybe it was a copy and paste instead of like a <laughs> the copy and paste. Did anyone yeah, else time think that on first watch that that was what was going to happen? He would have had his memories wiped. Yeah. I'll be I think honest, I was like I eleven or whatever. Thinking, yeah. I assume that's just poor wording on the writer's part because that was clearly not what they intended. Mm. Because it it did watch. Mm. It did take the leaf. Yeah, exactly. It took the leaf. It didn't take his memories. Ah, yes, the, the most important leaf important. in the world. Leave that leaf alone. It's been through a lot. Okay. I I like. I mean, the for the most part, it's probably shut, shut in a book. I like the idea behind the leaf, but I find it's 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 a bit. Is it the way it's executed is a bit cheesy, and also it feels like it's a bit disappointing that Matt Smith's amazing speech just doesn't work. It's just a bit yeah. For me. yeah. It sets up the whole impossible girl thing, all right? Because like Clara was like saving the Doctor throughout the Doctor's life, so without her little leaf that got her parents together, mm. she wouldn't have been born, and then she wouldn't have been able to do all the crazy sh- sugar that she did. Mm. So almost swore that I can't remember what was. No swearing on purple radio. Um, so it was actually quite a very important leaf because without it, but you've got all the doctor's memories. That's huge. But then it's not enough. And then did you winch little leaf? Just, just yeah, like... it, it, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, the the leaf represents an infinite amount of possibilities that could have happened. Anything can represent an infinite amount of possibilities. Why yeah, didn't the doctor just take off his shoe and go? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's dessert. You know, you go for a full meal and you're like, "Oh, I'm a little bit hungry after that big full meal. Let me get a brownie." So maybe he just really wanted this metaphorical brownie. And it put him to sleep again. Yeah, but do you not go to sleep after well, a meal? No. That's the thing that we should discuss. What actually happened to the sun? Because it it just it just went away. And then just fade. Doesn't it fade to black? I mean, we don't know. Could the sun have just lost all of its heat and light, and they're all going to die now? Yeah. Well, maybe the sun was an egg and left uh, another sun behind. Not the egg thing. (laughs) Not this again. Please, Louis, let the egg go. Maybe, maybe after it cut away, the sun like it just sort of went. It contracted and expanded again. It just sort of pulsated, but like was asleep. Maybe you're the physicist here. Would it go supernova? I would have thought, but also sentient suns don't are, haven't, <laughs> haven't been studied by well, actually, sentient suns haven't been studied yet. Um, <laughs> I gathered that. Yeah, I got the ick there. Is that <laughs> not a red flag? Is that not a vulnerable offence? Uh, I'm trying to make the best out of a bad story. I mean, situation. Let me just say something about the um, the like whole bizarre set. Yeah, because that was great. Sort of mm. Clara's experience of this completely alien world full of oh yeah, it's probably the first alien of world creatures that feels alien. Yeah, mm. it was quite good. Not like oh, there's a cat lady. Yeah, the aliens all felt completely alien. Mm. Just just because this is something I noticed the first time I watched it, and I mm. keep remembering it. Um, one of the aliens is a costume from a children's 
CBBC game show called Mission 2110, um, and various other props from that show were also used for dinosaurs on a spaceship, and apparently Husbands of River Song. Oh, amazing. Actually, I, if I'm not mistaken... So the BBC has, like, three props. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it literally was a budget-saving episode, this, it feels. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, the robots, are they the same model that was used for Hydrofax? Yes, that's, that's oh the robots my. from this show. Yeah. <laughs> you can see what? when you see them next to each other, they are the same. Mm. Louis' mind has been blown. You've got budget restraints, you know? It's the BBC. I mean, they, I mean obviously, the Hydrofax one has, like, the shoulder pads put on it and stuff, but mm. and Greg Davies's head. They also recycled Richard Bradley from uh, Dinosaur on the Spaceship, if you think about it as well. (laughs) Um, Apparently. You mean David Bradley? Oh, um, oh, I've mixed up Richard Hurdle and David Bradley. I I, I revoke my Husak license. I'm so sorry. Brilliant. Hand it in. Let me just give it to you through the screen. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is a random one, but this is a lot of things people criticise. Um, this is something a lot of people criticise, sorry, is the moment when the Doctor is using the Sonic to, like, hold up the door and then fend off the little monster <laughs> things. What do people think of that? Stunning. Uh, 10 out of 10, do it more. You can only do one thing at once with the Sonic, surely. So, I I really enjoy that, and I can't quite justify why. I, I think there's just, like, a childlike thing inside me that just it enjoys him using the sonic to be epic on bad guys it's it's the fact that the door is somehow exerting a force back on him <laughs> so in in my mind wirelessly in in my mind it's like it's it's newton's third law that the sonic is exerting a force on the door so the door's exerting a force on the sonic trigger warning physics <laughs> <laughs> i um i don't know um Surely the doctor then must should have a gun so he can, you know, one no, The doctor side. doesn't do guns. I know, but if he can use the Sonic for everything, you know, the Sonic is a screwdriver, it's a door opener, it's a gun that, you know, bzzz. it wasn't a gun. The it war was just, doctor was on he was the just using it. He was just using it to fend them off. He wasn't using it to actually do any damage to them. What were they, those things? I don't know. <laughs> they were, they were, just... they were there the to guy. bring her to the. The thing, if she didn't want to go, so yeah, she that, was. That supposed... Seems to be all the explanation that there was. <laughs> yeah, it's like she was supposed to be sacrificed to grandfather, and they were there to make sure that she was. Was it a sacrifice? Was she meant um, to die? I did. They mess up the song, or did? Or we're did just, he just asking wake up? questions. This is so a terrible it, story. It really wasn't made clear, but I think it was supposed to be that grand that grandpa <laughs> that grandfather was going to wake up anyway, and that grandfather having woken up demanded a sacrifice but i've also heard it described as uh, like everyone knew she was going to be sacrificed which i'm sure is not what was intended but i'm also not that sure the song was good yeah the song was amazing the song was amazing i must say for a child actor she was brilliant oh didn't we google how old she was during the watch along and isn't the isn't she older than me Oh, yeah. well, I think now. she's 21. Probably. Yeah, so she's my age and older than most people in the watch along. Because uh, me and Joseph lo- locked eyes once we found this information out mm. and felt gross. Because mm. <laughs> I can remember watching it. Mm. I can remember sitting at home 
like, wow, Clara is so cool. I want to be just like her. Because she is so cool. And God, I wish I was just like her. But the fact that I can like remember that as like a conscious thought means that mm. I'm too old now. Indeed. Well, oh, I think what to say. <laughs> you, you do you. I, I don't know. Okay, so let, let us move on to um, the pilot. Now, this is always a, a fun one. This is actually probably what we should... Because this is actually a, a season opener. Mm. What we always used to watch on first Doctor Who days. Yeah, I mean... But the problem is we've done built, them all. Yeah, we've done them all. It's built first alien planet, so it makes sense. Yes. Okay, so... Um, Bills? Yeah. Oh, yes, Briefly. you just go to space. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Potter. Okay, Did Bill Potter. Did you not realise why we put that on the schedule? <laughs> I was just vibing, to be honest. I was like, all right. So Bill Potter serves chips at a local university, but everything changes when an enigmatic lecturer takes interest in her and becomes a personal tutor. Who is he? Why is he guarding a mysterious vault? And what's up with that puddle? So. Fuck 2023. But, oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yes. Um, fuck 2023. <laughs> or is it. I've already said Buck 2023 already. You have to fight every time you quote. You, all right, all right. You can tell He's that you do. Student. Yeah, you can tell you don't have uh, to. Excuse me, I have cited before in the past. Can you read? I can't read. cite stuff for his death. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> this... Glad I've been cited for the, my episode description. <laughs> this is a great it. opening, I'd say. Um, the direction is completely off the wall. But I don't understand what you have against the direction. It's because if this feels, particularly when we found out what, you know, they actually filmed part of it as a teaser trailer, that thing with the Dalek. Oh, spoilers mm. about the Daleks in it. Um, the, the thing with the, the Dalek. And there's the scene where, like, it, the there's just, like, loads of screens of the same picture and what was going on. And then there's, like, the camera swirling around. This is clearly how time works. That's not, <laughs> it's not time. That's just a perspective. Yes. I, I enjoy that. I really, I, I really enjoy those moments. Me too. I, I think it's a fun way of demonstrating what he's saying visually. And I think it makes sense because he's talking, mm. he's moving, he goes very fast. I think sometimes with the Doctor, mm. it's hard to keep up. And I like that they show that in a more visual way. I wonder how much of that was in the script and how much was just the director's decision. Well, that's because I think that the title is called The Pilot. It is if they crafted a story of which they were going to take bunches out of it and, okay, these are the teasers for Bill. And they could have done it where Bill just appeared out of nowhere. You know, just a companion that was just, like, you watch season uh, 10, episode 1, Bill's already there, and you just have to watch the teasers where she's in university learning about the Doctor and you see the teaser with the Dalek. That's how I, I, I feel that it, it's trying to be. They called it the pilot so, as well. So for the, listeners, the pilot it is for the uh, listeners listening. The... Me, Bertie, and Harriet doing very confused faces right now because I'm not sure what you're mm. saying. I just me... don't like the way it's shot. If <laughs> Louis the, the title's like a double meaning, isn't it? Because I know. Heather becomes the pilot, but it's the first episode of the series, and mm. and also I've seen and it is also also sort of a soft reboot. Yeah, it yeah. is because it, it reintroduces the Doctor, the TARDIS, the screwdriver, Daleks. Yeah, he he said this in interviews. He it is like a little, it it very much a reboot. You know, yeah, new companion Doctor. Yeah, everything you just said, mm. and I think that really works. I I really like that they went for that. And also, I, re I like the way they introduced the vault as a thing, rather 
it was very obviously going to be a story arc, but they didn't go story arc down your throat. They just sort of it was there in the background. The hybrid. And the the doctor and the doctor and Nardole were clearly worried about it, but it wasn't the focus of the episode. It was mm. just a sort of fun way of introducing it. I really like the actual concept of what the villain came from. So they look at the ground and they see, oh, it's like a hexagon. Maybe it's like a, a the Trev yeah. spaceship. <laughs> and then, um, sorry, Ari, maybe it's the Trev spaceship. And then they see a puddle and they say, oh, it's like an oil leak. And I, I really like that because it's sort of with statues, you know, taking things in the modern world and then giving them a Doctor Who spin. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good Moffat villain. Yeah, it's it's very Moffat, and I quite like it. We, 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 Moffat's made us afraid of shadows, <laughs> afraid of statues, and now we're afraid of puddles. Oh, we love shadows, don't we? On this on this podcast, I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I do like I do like shadows. Mm. Maybe mm. one day we will discuss it more, won't we, Ollie? Yes, yes, we will. As per my election campaign promises, I'm rolling my eyes. I just thought I'd vocalise that. There was an eye roll. I it don't was, know. Who it was worth vocalising. What you. would a vocalised eye roll be? I'm it, eye rolling. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Just a big sigh. Maybe yeah. someone muttering your name at the end of it, Louis. Just Joseph's voice <laughs> saying something. Potato. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe not that. <laughs> Every time I'm eye rolling now, I'm just going potato. <laughs> Uh, oh dear i really like as well the part where the doctor goes back in time to take uh pictures of bill's mum that was a really yeah. moment because they, they explicitly say that that bill's mum does not like having photos taken of her but yeah. she's clearly agreed to have these photos taken because mm. you can nice see maybe it was the doctor who spread that rumor in the first place so it would line up <laughs> You know, <laughs> spread the rumor that she didn't like photos. He, he destroyed all uh, the photos Alan, of her in existence. Oh, you don't like photos. The ones he took get to survive. I, I particularly realized there's a photo of her like out on a walk in a nice field. Did she just go for a walk with 12? <laughs> like, <laughs> 12 why not? Going Maybe Bill's mother was a companion as well. <laughs> There's a whole unseen series of 12 and Bill's mum. <laughs> but she's only called Bill's mum during it. And she's really confused. She's like, who the hell is Bill? Maybe, so that's why Bill doesn't know her, because she has like a, a dark uh, ending to a story. That's why. Just let people be happy, Louis. No! Just write, just write a character who's happy. Yeah, but the point is that Bill's mum has died. Well, yeah, so maybe there's, a doc- maybe there's a Doctor Who explanation for it. Maybe, maybe she died naturally, happy in her sleep. You know, she could be, it could be a nice ending. It could be. It could. Yeah, but it's Moffat, so... No. no, no, no. Moffat would kill her off and then bring her back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of those pictures were, like, Instagram level. Like, she's doing, the, like, the proper poses and everything. And I'm imagining 12 going, no, honey, no, honey. Your foot needs to be forward to get, like, that proper body turn that she does. Uh, it's now my headcanon that 12 is a photographer. Uh, yeah, 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 stunning. Thank you. Well, you I think to do while guarding that vault. Yeah, you know. Apparently, yeah. wasn't he there for like fifty years? Supposedly, I think, at this I think Bill said someone said over seventy. Mm. 
So yeah, so I'm, I, pretty, I'm pretty sure in, in Extremis they say he was supposed to guard it for like a thousand years. Given she got out after seventy, that's probably not very well done by him. He was Typical trying 12. his best. He really wasn't. He was trying his best. Have you watched Oxygen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did the best he could. I really do like Lecturer Twelve. It suits him quite well, and I love the part mm. where he just says time and relative dimensions in space, just as a as a subtle thing. So yeah, the most most important thing in the world. I wish I wish my lecturers were more like twelve. Yeah, because then STEM <laughs> students would learn critical thinking. Because he'd teach them poetry. Yeah. Can you imagine turning up for your physics nine a.m. and there's twelve going? Have you heard of Lord Byron? No. All right, lad. Well, Ollie, you you do a bit of poetry in your physics. You know the charge of the light brigade, don't you? Positive, negative, ne- neutral charge. I actually can't. Can I resign? <laughs> Is this it? Is this my is this my resigning? Is this it? Is this my time? We've we've made two we made it two weeks in. <laughs> I was sworn in last night, and I'm like, no, that's it. We're done. I'm afraid your song is ending soon, Bertie. Brilliant. That's not threatening at all. Okay, I'll, I'll put the ood voice on. No. Okay, I'll I'll I shall move on. The Mavellans are in this. All the Mavellans. Yes. The Mavellans yeah. are in this. I love uh, Destiny the Daleks. Oh, sorry, I, I think I threw threw up in my mouth there. Um, it's nice to have the Mavellans back, but yeah. What, Bertie? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Chaos. Um, yeah, I I I love seeing the Mavellans back. It would it would be nice if there was like a a student audio drama that also brought them back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. Do we have it, to spawn our own podcast? It does annoy me that it's the modern Daleks when it's explicitly Daleks from the past in their war with the Mavellans. Because, I mean, te- technically they could have started another war with the Mavellans, but it seemed to me like it's heavily implied that they, because the way he talks about it being the past, hmm, it seems I mean, to be heavily yeah. implied that it's in the I past hate it too. Of the show. Don't worry. And it's like, in the previous series, they had old Daleks. Ah, uh, yeah, but they didn't do yeah. anything. They just, they were just there. <laughs> it would also explain. Moffat well, it wouldn't Daleks really explain them. it, but I, it does. As much as I, I, I like the way they talk about the Daleks in this episode. There's all oh, dangerous creatures, most dangerous, deadliest fire in the universe. Oh no, we don't want to go through there. And then Nardole's blocking them off, and there's a Dalek right there, and just misses every single shot. But I feel like if they're old Daleks, the old Daleks were somewhat less ruthless killers, so I would um, give it a little bit more. It adds more, um, what's the word, uh, legitimacy to the, um, whichever Chibnall New Year's special it was, <laughs> the time loop, where the Daleks couldn't land a single shot. Yeah. Until they were shooting at each other, then then they landed it's all every of them single somehow. shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think I phrased that poorly. They were just as ruthless villains in Classic Who. They just weren't as powerful, if you know what I mean. Mm. They weren't as good at it. Mm. It was cool to have them back, though. Yeah. yeah. And I like the way that uh, the, the the puddle is literally chasing someone across time. Kind of like the raven, would yeah. one argue. There mm. was something that felt a little bit odd to me when... Um, they went to the far future on the planet, which is why this is in First Alien Planet Week. Mm. There was something but odd when they went to the future and then the puddle came out and attacked, attacked Bill and they said it can travel through time. 
it might not have traveled through time it might have just stayed as a puddle all that time and then when the tardis landed went to that planet have you ever read hitchhikers yes marvin paranoid android staying there for millions of oh, years the entire life yeah. of the universe twice yeah, yeah. entire yeah. life of the universe twice because oh. Like there, there's no reason to conclude oh, that this puddle could time travel until it came to them in the past. When uh, also the Dalek Mavellan War is not in the past. That's in, that that is in the future, but it's in the show's past. <laughs> I think I I interpret that as the Doctor meant his personal past. Well, from a non non linear non subjective view, it could be from the past. Yeah. Can I just say, was that planet the Ood planet? No. It had some similar like it, geological it really structures because pe- people pointed like, that out in the watch along. It was just like rocky arches. I think not every planet that has rocky arches is the Usphere. I'm sorry. What quarry I think was it's it? It's just because we we saw them both back to back. Yeah, that's why people said that. There were big like weird alien amoeba things, and the sky was made of lemon drops. Hmm. Hmm. The so, so, can we talk about Bill's just? Way of observing things, like how she asked, how did he, he get the TARDIS in there? Did he use a crane? That's great. Yeah. I, and love, then, I, I love Bill. I love and then when, when she goes, talk about Bill? I love her so much. When better. she goes in the TARDIS the first time as well. Mm. I think it's like, probably is the this best. Is this a kitchen? Yeah. Is this a kitchen? <laughs> the fact that she is looking the opposite way to where she should be looking, mm. like all the rest mm. of the companions do. The reveal yeah. is superb. Yeah. And of course, it, it does so... really feel like a soft reboot. I mean, I what, what next? They're going to bring back a... Is this a lift? I absolutely love the line. And I remember when I was watching this with my family for the first time back in, back in 2017. And like Mimi, like just like joking about this for ages afterwards, like him being all epic about like nothing gets through these doors, but they're made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> the way she delivers that line is so perfect. And I love I love her for it. She feels very real. Sometimes when companions get these really big, important story arcs, they're amazing. Mm. But you sort of lose, as audience surrogates, mm. <laughs> you lose them a little bit. So mm. to have Bill, who is someone pretty relatable, mm. act in a way that I think is very normal. Yeah. Because like if I went into like my dis supervisor's office, and there was just a Will Craig shout out. And there was just Will Craig is an alien now. And there was just a big box in there. I wouldn't be like, is that a spaceship? I'd be like, oh, they finally updated the sociology building. Like, well done. I would question how they got it in there. Like, I wouldn't be like, wow. I'd be mildly confused and then sort of ignore it for the rest of the time. Yeah. I think because we are all uni students, there is that perspective. And I think we are, yeah. we warm a lot to Bill. I think Bill's a great character. One thing that I really like about Bill is because one of the comparisons that's made a lot between RTD and Moffat's writing of companions is RTD really makes them feel real and writes the, at least their first episodes, or even Doctor Who as a whole, primarily from their point of view. We we start the episode with the companion and we see them meet the doctor, especially in Rose. We really we we are introduced via Rose, whereas with Amy and with Clara, we see them from the doctor's point of view. And, you know, the doctor comes back 12 years later and it's a plot twist that Amy has experienced loads of life in between there. And I I feel like for Bill, he Moffat realised 
like I think I think he took a leaf out of R2D's book and went, actually, it makes sense to write it from the companion's point of view, at least from the start. And I think it really, really works. Yeah. Absolutely. He is so underrated. Mm, yeah. What a guy. What a guy. We love How him. long do you think it took for the doctor to decide to go back and not shout at Bill? Oh well he already had like at the end of the episode when he tries to mind wipe her mm. and, and then he says, No, get out before I change my mind. How long did it take for him to change his mind and get in the TARDIS and go outside? Oh, that's true, because he could have travelled slightly back in time. I yeah. Think. Have you heard the thing in Rose where the gap between... Yes, uh, it's in a book. Yes, yeah. it's in the book where the Doctor takes off and then comes back and says, oh yeah, it also travels in time, and then Rose joins it. And then there's some corners of the internet that say, actually, the Doctor went on lots of adventures, but they're in Big Finish, maybe not, yeah. we, we don't know. There's, uh, there's one adventure in a 50th mm. anniversary book. That is explicitly set in that time frame. Yeah, it, that's what it reminded me of. I would not be surprised if the Doctor just did other things. Maybe went back to see Bill's mum and mm. had more adventures with, with her before. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I have changed my mind. I won't wipe your mind, uh, Bill. I I really like how it subtly references what happened with Clara and Murray Gold, musical genius, just dropping mm. Clara's theme in there in a slightly sad. I mean, I don't know the musical terms. Maybe it's a minor key. Maybe uh, like, is it plays slowly on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that like it's like a slightly sad, slower version of Clara's theme, and it really drives home how Capaldi is feeling in that moment. But Capaldi doesn't remember wiping Bill, uh, Clara's mind. No, but, no, but he, he, knows, what he knows that his mind was wiped. Yeah, oh. because she says, how would it feel if this was done to you? And this has recently been done to him. Uh, well, I like should have watched uh, Hellbent but... with more uh, caring thoughts. <laughs> Maybe you should have. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I should have. Anyway, I think since we are done with our three stories, we should move on to questions. Right, let's see what our questions are. First, what would you offer the very big, hangry sun god? Two leaves. Two leaves? Two. Mm. Yeah. My parents met over KFC. Mm. Um, so possibly KFC. If they wanted like some parent backstory. Um, so it's either two leaves or a bucket of boneless chicken. Mm. <laughs> I think I'd just have a chat with him, see if he did actually want to consume the universe. I'd be like, hey, dude, do you want to consume the universe or do you just want to vibe? What would you do if he said he did want to consume the universe, though? Well, at that consume point, him. That... Oh, that's that dominance. <laughs> Go that's up to that him and be like, the oh, sun. thank you. <laughs> you could assert dominance to the sun. Yeah, you I remember believe in myself. The Teletubby sunshine. Like, Wonderful. You've, you've got the Teletubby sunshine. Sword. Every sun must set. What does that even mean? Wait, are you saying I'm gonna set? Set what? 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 Ollie, you you're not my I... son. <laughs> oh no! What? Anyway, what what would you two offer to the big sun god to Granddaddy? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I I have a lot of stuff that I, I'm quite sentimental about, but I don't know if any of it's really big enough to defeat a giant sun god thing. Hmm. Just a memory. Just well, I've already given away. Louis just looking at his shelf. 
<laughs> I've already given away my Hoosop license. That's a very uh, sentimental thing. Yeah, that's mine now. Ooh, maybe I'll give my my Tom Baker scarf away. That'll be cool. Because I'll say, hey, this is a nice scarf. <laughs> Use it well. You can get cold on the sun. Use the scarf. Just imagine the sun wearing the scarf. Would be stunning. Hmm. It's a bit, what if we just like collectively did uh, gave the sun the things, the items we we got sworn in on? Oh, no, Yanto yeah. is missing his hand, and I can't find it. So Yanto is now handless. Finally, oh, Gentle no. the Dark is actually mentioned <laughs> on a Husok podcast. Unarmed. <laughs> Sorry, that was an awful joke. Like if blessing. we are done with our, our hungry, hungry son, let us move on to the next question. What classic monster should appear for five seconds just for the hell of it? There's only one correct answer. How many Nymons have you seen today? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Still doing some shady business dealings in the back of the alley. Yeah, because it'd be like... Lord Nightmon! And that's all you hear? Mm. <laughs> Maybe someone running in the distance like, Lord Nightmon! Lord Nightmon! And that's all you see? And we no one comments on it? And we just let the episode carry on? I think maybe, it would be amazing. Maybe, maybe. I think it would be cool to have Agador back, but there's a bit of a problem that, spoilers, he, he's kind of dead. I mean, he might have been resurrected in one of the many Peladon big finish stories. Uh, you never know. Oh, Agadon actually had a, had a kid. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and finally, what would your puddle girlfriend need to show you to entice you to give up everything in your life, including your life, and just go around dripping across the universe? Cake. Cake? Yes. I support A good night's rights sleep and woman's wrongs. So she wouldn't have to give me anything. I'm there to support her through everything she does. Just me and my puddle bestie traveling the universe. Great. I think some. I I might give up. Uh, not give up. What would you give? Up? Let you me actually read this question. What the heck has it been asked? No, no. What would your puddle puddle girlfriend have to offer you? Evaporation. Because then she'll just go away. No longer my 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 issue anymore. I don't think that's the question. Well, that's but... not. That's not an answer to the question. <laughs> Right. You're just gonna like put, put a Bunsen burner underneath her. Maybe I will. Nice. Maybe I will. Why didn't the doctor just like go to the sun? Why didn't the doctor go back to Akaten and then burn up the puddle girl <laughs> because, there? Because Akaten overrated and went back to sleep. And well, maybe him. maybe he needs a, a midnight snack, and the puddle would do. The puddle has sentimental value for <laughs> Bill because it's Heather. It's a happy little puddle. Why do mm. you want her dead? <laughs> I mean, she looked very sad. I, I wouldn't. Can't judge someone based on how they look. She might just have resting sad face or something, you know. Perhaps. Just let the puddle girl live. Harry, what's your puddle girlfriend offering you? Oh, I, I said a good night's sleep. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Because <laughs> I'm that, tired that, currently. That that uh, uh, that that's, that hits a bit too close to home. <laughs> to summarize, Louis would kill his puddle girlfriend. Harry would leave everything behind just to get an eight-hour night. You need cake, and I wouldn't need anything. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it was like it's in great hands this year. And if we disappear one day, to... you know why. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm also, good that. Yeah. Oh, I'm there, trying to end in a nice way. I started nice. nice. I, you know, I, 
I push for this. I push for a nice start and then a night. I'm gonna no. I'm gonna nice ruin start. your podcast, Louis. I'm gonna ruin it. Let Ollie speak. All right, speak, speak, fella. No. I, 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 there was something I was going to say about Planets of the Youth, but you moved on too quickly. So I'm going to phrase it as a question now. So I'm submitting <laughs> a question to the podcast. So about like the Oud song, because there's there's one thing I hadn't realised about the end of time. And I'm curious if other people realise this or if I'm just a, a stupid idiot. <gasps> so <laughs> I and, and this is my podcast question is, did other people realise this? So the music when 10 regenerates is not incidental music. It's it's like it's Oud's song because Oud Sigma says, I'm going to, Oud will sing you to your sleep. And then you sort of forget that because, oh, I don't want to go. But that music that goes into the, into the Doctor's theme as he's regenerating really dramatically, that's not incidental music. I love that. It's relevant to Plans of the Oud because it's the Oud. And I love that that's like, I love that he regenerates to like incredibly dramatic Oud song. And that makes the Doctor's theme canon. Did you that my podcast question is did you guys know realize that before? Because I only just realized it. I did know that, but I can't remember if I realized it from watching it or if I've seen it somewhere online. I think there was a quite a popular Tumblr post about it that resurfaces every time David Tennant trends on there. Mm. So I found out via Tumblr. Well, it probably isn't Oud song, it's probably Murray Gold. No, it, it. The, the youth it, says, "Youth <laughs> kind will sing you to your sleep." And like, it... the doctor hears this as oh, he's regenerating. So he hears music. the. So, oh. He, so would you say he's probably the only doctor to regenerate whilst hearing the music that we're hearing? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to go! Unless one of them like heals over in a nightclub at some point. <laughs> 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 to be fair, we, we were discussing this. One turned up in a nightclub. What well, was it? A nightclub. A bar? It was a bar. Yeah. I haven't it's, seen it's, it's a little one. bit like 12 playing Clara's theme on the guitar in the sense that it makes like an iconic theme canon, which I enjoy. Hmm. Anyway, now I've ruined your ending to the podcast. We're no. Bye. No, 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 no. Sorry. And anyway, with that lovely um, uh, exit, I think it's time we stop the podcast. Hang on, that's well... something else I wanted to say. <laughs> no, <I'm... laughs> Well, it's goodbye from... Oh, no, 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 it's not. We'll see you next time with um, uh, Solar Flare Week. Uh, we've got uh, the Ark in Space and the Beast Below. What fun. Okay, well, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Bertie. Bye. Ollie. Bye. And Harry. Bye.